This is Steady Habits, a Connecticut Mirror podcast. It's where we take a look at life here in the land of steady habits, what works, what doesn't, and how to make things work just a little bit better. I'm John Dankosky. Thanks so much for joining us. And it's the day before Election Day. Yeah, it's finally here. And so today we're going to take a close look at everything you need to know about voting in Connecticut. I know you probably are planning to vote. Hopefully you have a voting plan, as they say. But it's a little bit more complicated this year for a lot of reasons. There are more rules and probably some rules you didn't know. Masks, for instance, you got to wear them. MAGA hats, you actually can wear them. Candidate buttons, you can't. Poll watching, that's not really a thing. Younger poll workers will probably be at the polls this year. You'll have more ways to vote, and the results, I've got no idea when you're going to see them. These are just a few of the realities that I talked with Secretary of the State Denise Merrill about. She says about half the votes cast this election should be by absentee ballot. That's a first for a state that's traditionally made it pretty hard to vote by any other means than just showing up on the first Tuesday in November. When I talked with Secretary Merrill last week, she was in the middle of going through a whole bunch of constituent emails asking all kinds of questions. This is an election, she tells me, that's keeping her up at night. I got up at 5.30 in the morning, as I have been lately, and not sleeping very well, I have to add. So why haven't you been sleeping well? I don't know. And everybody I talk to says the same thing. I just keep waking up all night uh, thinking about this and that. And should we do this? And should we do that? And there are all these policy decisions we're still having to make right at the last minute. The big issue this week is the mask policy. Should we, how do we require people to wear masks as we should without disenfranchising anyone who just feels they absolutely cannot wear a mask? And it's a very tricky question. We, we were talking about that last time we talked, and I don't know that there was exactly a resolution. You told me that we were going to try to encourage people to wear masks, but that was a little different than saying you have to wear a mask to enter a polling place. Where do we stand right now? Uh, now, what we're doing is we're saying you absolutely must have a mask on if you're going to vote in the polling place with everyone else. But what we've done is create a number of options so we don't have to refuse anyone, you know, their right to vote. And the options include things like offering to bring the ballot out to them, creating a space where they can be away from everyone else, maybe outside, maybe inside, depending on the polling place, where they can get their ballot and a poll worker will take it into the tabulator. But in any event, we cannot have anyone near anyone else jeopardizing their health but also we don't want to disenfranchise someone who maybe has asthma or whatever their reason is for not wearing a mask. So I think it's more than strongly encouraged. Uh, it's more like we're not going to allow you to jeopardize anyone else and the polling place will be safe for all voters. If someone shows up, they don't have a mask, will PPE be made available? And is there any sort of rule as to who can make PPE available to people if they show up? Uh, yes, there will be extra masks at all the polling places. We have provided the funding for that. Uh, and I'm imagining the poll workers would be in charge of doing that. And also, you know, there will be other options for people. For example, if they have asthma, they cannot wear a mask for some reason. Obviously, you should have thought of that and probably voted absentee ballot. But other than that, you know, there are that we can do a curbside option for someone who absolutely cannot wear a mask uh, and that sort of thing. And that will be up to each polling place moderator to decide how to handle that. Have you done what you'd hoped to do in terms of getting 
uh, let's just say, a broader demographic mix of poll workers so that the poll workers are not primarily elderly folks who might be at, at most risk? Yes. And I think we've done a great job on that. I mean, the registrars still tend to use the same people they've used for years, uh, but they are now much more encouraged to use the younger people. And we had over 10,000 people volunteer on our website, including many, many people, uh, young people from colleges and universities and high school students. So I think there's, uh, there are a lot more younger people you're going to be seeing at the polls and a lot more poll workers, period. Because we've got to have people, you know, keeping people six feet apart, just like you see at the supermarket, that kind of thing. When we logged on, you said that you were answering a lot of constituent emails, maybe some questions from people who are unsure about stuff. What are the questions you're getting? Well, right now, the question is, why can't we have a better ballot tracking system? I think people still don't realize that we do have a ballot tracking system now that we put up very quickly in the last few weeks. Uh, but that's something we never had a need for before because only 5% of people were using absentee ballots. Uh, this year, it feels like probably half the voters will be voting absentee. We do have a way to see when your ballot is received by the town clerk. If you go to our website, which is myvote.ct.gov, go to the lookup tool and look up your name and address. It now will also show you when they have received your ballot and logged it into the system. So that's really a help because uh, during the primary, thousands of people were calling the town clerk's offices and saying, did you get my ballot yet? Because there's so much concern that your ballot isn't going to be counted if you're voting by absentee ballot. So if people want to check if they are registered to vote, what's the best way to do that? Same place. Uh, so if you go on that website, myvote.ct.gov, you go to look up, you put in your name and your address, and it will show you where you vote, how you registered, with, with which party, and it will also log in if, you, if they received an application for you for an absentee ballot, and whether that application has been received, and then when the ballot's received. So that information is all in the same place. If someone logs on and they voted absentee maybe a week ago, and they see that they haven't had their ballot registered yet, or they see that they, they're supposed to be registered to vote and they're not registered. What do they do? Uh, you immediately register to vote if your name isn't on there properly. And there are clerical errors that occur. And sometimes names get taken off or put in another place by accident. So go on and register. You have to do it um, you know, by October 27th. Uh, so if that date has passed, you still could do it if you go in and register. But if you're not on that list, uh, you will not be allowed to vote. So you've got to get yourself registered one way or another. And of course, if you go in on election day, you can register to vote that day, but you have to go through a different step. You don't just go right to the polling place and register. Correct. You go to town hall and go to the registrar's office and register and vote. And the reason that is, is they have to have a live list. The voter registry is on the internet system. And so they have to be able to check that you're not registered somewhere else or that you haven't voted somewhere else. And then they register you and you vote right there on the spot. I have a whole series of the same sort of annoying questions that you're getting in your emails. I'm just <laughs> going to tick them off here. But, but before I get to some of those other annoying questions, let's talk about the numbers. You said maybe about half of our voters this time around will vote by absentee ballot. What were you projecting and where is it actually landing right now? By the way, this is really hard to predict because we have absolutely no experience with this kind of absentee balloting or this volume of 
of absentees. But if you go by the primary, where which is the first time we did this, uh, 68% of people voted by absentee ballot. Uh, we also know that there are about almost 700,000 requests for absentee ballots have come in, and they're still coming in. People can still request those. We have an all-time record number of registered voters. As of today, almost 2.3 million. That's several hundred thousand more than we ever had before. And again, they're still pouring in. So uh, based on all that information, I would say at least 50%, because if 700,000 have been requested already, you know, 50% would be about a million. And I think it might be about that. You think it could get to a million votes cast by absentee ballot? It could if we have a big voter turnout. That's the other No, We have 2.3 million voters. We usually in a presidential get about 75% of those registered voters that turn out. I think it might even be a little higher than that this year, largely because we have allowed people to vote by absentee ballot. And there were a lot of people who were very concerned about coming to the polling places. And we have it, it basically makes it easier for people to vote, uh, which I'm all for. So uh, it looks like that's going to work out uh, to that advantage. Yes. Let's say you put it in one of those drop boxes by town hall. Where does it go next? Where does it end up? It's all a job at the local level. The town clerks pick those ballots up every day, sometimes more than once a day. Uh, they log them in. That's when it goes on our website because it immediately gets uploaded to the statewide system. Uh, then they sit there. We do not allow counting of ballots before Election Day. In a very unusual move, the legislature okayed uh, the local registrars to open the outer envelope. You know, if you've done an absentee ballot, you probably know now that there's two envelopes involved. It's very complicated process so that we have a lot of checks and balances, which is both good and bad. You know, I mean, it takes a long time to do all this. On the other hand, you're pretty assured that there would be very little chance for any kind of fraudulent activity. Uh, and so we did allow the registrars who then take, they take all those ballots from the town clerks and under a very uh, laborious process, they are transferred to the registrars who are usually right down the hall. But uh, we keep real careful track of who's got those ballots and how many there are. And so then the registrars then are allowed to open the outer envelope on Friday night before the election. This is an unusual thing. It will save time on election day. Uh, the inner envelope that contains your ballot stays intact and is not opened until 6 a.m. on election day when they can start counting those absentee ballots. The only ones they can't count, even at 6 a.m. on election day, they can't count the ones that come in on election day. You can drop your absentee ballot in those ballot boxes right up through eight o'clock on election day if you choose to, but they will not be opened and counted until after eight o'clock. And there's a very good reason for that because you want to make sure that that same person didn't just go next door and vote. So at the end of the evening, you take all those absentee ballots that came in on election day, you compare it against the list where if you already had voted, you'd be crossed off the list. And if you have, they just discard the absentee ballot. And that way, there's no chance someone could vote twice. So if I have applied for an absentee ballot, I've got it here in my little inbox, I haven't filled it out yet, I could still take it to the 
Dropbox. I could do that all the way up until 8 o'clock on election day. But if I decide to just go to the polls and vote the old-fashioned way, the fact that I've applied for this absentee ballot doesn't matter really. No, not if the ballot has not been voted. It can actually even be issued to you. You could have an absentee ballot sitting on your desk thinking, yeah, I don't know, maybe at the last minute I'll decide to go to the polls. You can do that as long as you haven't sent that absentee ballot in yet and it hasn't been recorded. Uh, if you want to do that, you just simply tear it up and go to the polls. That's fine. Uh, if you have mailed it back and you're getting nervous because it still hasn't shown up on the website, oh my gosh, did it really get there? And, you know, with some reason, because the post office has been slow uh, right now. You know, we got a few days left, but I'd be nervous even now about making sure it got there. But let's say it's like three days before election. It's still not on the website. So you think, well, what the heck? Even though I sent it in, it's not recorded. So I'll go vote in person. That'll be fine, except if it has been received and some it's not on the website, when you get to that desk, your name is going to have a little AB next to it. That means you're not going to be able to vote in person because you've already voted. Gotcha. You've said a couple times that there is an unusual process that has been developed for uh, allowing the outer envelopes to be opened. You said it could save time then on election day because it's one less step. But you used the word unusual enough times, Denise Merrill, for me to ask you, is this a, like a good rule? Should we be doing it this way where one envelope gets opened and then it sits there and then is is finally opened later on? Uh, we have developed extensive protocols to make sure that when they open that, even if it's on Friday night, all those outer envelopes have to be filed alphabetically or whatever. They, they get scanned in with a little wand. That, that information is all in the outer envelope. They have to get saved in a certain way. The, the ballots are definitely under lock and key. I mean, so that's, it is a question as to whether we'd want to continue doing that. But honestly, if we were to do this kind of open door absentee ballot policy again, we'd have to change a lot of things. This has been really, really challenging to manage. I think we're going to do it okay. I mean, I think there'll be a little lag time by the time we get it all counted, but you can hear it's a very, very lengthy complicated process all along the way. We'd have to look at all that. So what happens if I fill it out, but I filled it out wrong somehow? I drew outside the lines. I mean, do I ever find out that I cast a vote, I thought, but the vote wasn't counted? How does that work? Well, uh, basically, once you're scanned in, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily know. And that's one of the reasons. See, there's the flip side of opening that outer envelope early. Because if they're doing that on Friday night and they find out someone forgot to sign it or didn't seal it properly, they still have time to contact that person and say, you know what, you're not going to be able to use this ballot because you did X, Y, Z and have time to what we call cure the ballot. And many, many town clerks do this routinely. When they get in an absentee ballot and it's not properly filled out, they'll contact that voter and say, you know, you need to redo this ballot. Uh, we won't have time to do that for everyone because we're getting hundreds of thousands of them. But in a normal circumstance, that's what happens. We heard quite a bit, mostly from President Trump during one of the debates, that he wanted to make sure that people turned out to watch what was going on. He was essentially calling for uh, Trump partisans to poll watch in an unofficial capacity. Remind our listeners what the rules are 
for assembling at a polling place, what you can do, what you can't do, where you can stand, where you can't stand. Yeah, I want to be very clear about this, John. Uh, We don't have anything called poll watchers in Connecticut and not in most states. Uh, I think that was a very unfortunate wording on his part, if that's what it was. Uh, We have very, very strong statutes that protect any voter from any kind of interference with their vote, any kind of voter intimidation. Uh, Frankly, we've never seen it much in Connecticut, if at all. Uh, And I'm not expecting it. People keep saying, oh, are you expecting trouble with the polls? No, I'm not, honestly. It's just we don't have a culture of that here. Um, But if it were to happen, the laws are very strict. Uh, There is no interference with a voter. There are both federal and state statutes involved, as well as local ordinances. Uh, So the moderator of the polling place is empowered to call either local law enforcement if someone is violating any of the many rules about not loitering in a polling place, A moderator can tell someone you can vote and you must leave the polling place. Uh, There's a statute that empowers that moderator. Uh, As you know, we have the famous 75-foot rule in Connecticut, which is no campaigning of any kind within 75 feet of a polling place. And that sign is outside of each polling place. And that is enforced, again, by the moderator, but also by state statute. And so, you know, you can't do things like wear paraphernalia, various campaigning paraphernalia into a polling place. We've had several interesting cases around uh, clothing and hats and things like that. Uh, But, you know, in general, it's just not going to be tolerated. We have a hotline on Election Day that is uh, manned by the FBI and our office and the Election Enforcement Commission. Also this year, the attorney general and others, state's attorney. And uh, we, we hear complaints. If anyone has any kind of complaint, you can call that hotline and we will uh, launch a little investigation to make sure, you know, you're not just uh, being whatever. Uh, we do have over, over heated arguments that erupt sometimes between different campaigns outside the 75 foot line. And so we try to we try to make sure that that's all taken care of and looked at from every perspective. So if if I was planning my attire to go vote, if I if I have on a say a Joe Biden pin on my lapel, will they ask me to take that off before I go into the polling place? Yes, <laughs> you cannot wear any kind of uh, candidate paraphernalia. Now we've had some we had a fascinating case one year. I think it was someone had a slogan of some sort. So in other words, if you had a T-shirt that said "Make America Great Again," we all know that's affiliated with President Trump. But it's not technically saying vote for Trump. So that would be okay. Uh, oh, oh, so so uh, just to be clear, so the Make America yeah. Great Again hat is okay. The yeah. the Joe Biden and Kamala Harris pin is not. Right. That was under a case that went to, uh, I think, the Connecticut Supreme Court. I can't remember, but just a couple of years ago. So they drew that line that it had to be specifically about a candidate before it was considered campaigning in the polling place. Are there new rules in effect for how Bridgeport's elections are being monitored this time around? Yes. Uh, Under the legislation that passed uh, last month, uh, we did hire a monitor to look at the absentee ballot process in Bridgeport. There have been allegations in the past of mishandling of absentee ballots. So uh, we were empowered to hire uh, a, an attorney from the area, his name is Max Medina, and he's been involved in some of these cases in the past. 
So he will be watching the clerk's offices to make sure the absentee ballots are properly handled, that everything's counted properly and transported properly. And I think that's probably a good addition. Um, and it, it just gives a little extra security to people to feel that everything's going as it should. Should it be happening in probably all the larger cities? Um, I, you know, I don't think so. We did have a monitor in Hartford a couple of years ago, and basically it ended up being a great thing because she was able to go in there. I think she was in there for almost a year to make sure, you know, a lot of times, I hate to say it, but it's kind of incompetence more than it is fraudulent. Uh, and sometimes they don't follow the laws just as they should. And we were able to straighten out a lot in Hartford with that monitor. We haven't had a problem since then. Speaking of problems, have you had any sort of really unusual, interesting problems that have been reported by registrars of voters, town clerks, anybody, as we deal with this new process that we've never dealt with before? Uh, I think at the beginning, people were kind of freaking out. Uh, The clerks were (laughs) just panicked at the idea of how many of these absentee ballot requests were coming in. And by now, everyone seems to be kind of hunkering down and doing the job. We did provide a couple of million dollars out to the towns to pay for extra help. And at first, everyone's like, well, that's not enough because we still have to have a place to store them. And where are we going to put all these people? And oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. But now I, th- I think people have really dug in and they're determined to make it work. So I haven't heard of a lot of problems. There were a couple of glitches with people getting the wrong ballots here and there. But very, very little of that, surprisingly, um, it, considering uh, another one of our Connecticut anomalies, we have over 500 different ballot types in Connecticut, which is one of the reasons it makes this so difficult. So like one town might have three different ballots. If you live on a different side of the street, you might be getting a different ballot because you have a different state representative or a different state senator. So uh, that makes it really tricky to get everybody the correct ballot. So we haven't even had much problem with that. New Haven was a concern to us at the beginning. I don't think they were on top of the absentee ballot situation. They were not recording the absentee ballots in our system. They had some sort of homegrown way of keeping track of the absentee ballots. But, you know, there was quite an uproar. And the citizens of New Haven rose up, went to their city council people and said, this is outrageous. We don't know where our absentee ballots are. And, you know, now I think it worked and we came down on them and everybody's now on the program. And I think it's working quite well now. Just shows you citizen involvement does help. I, I will say this is probably the first time you and I will have ever talked about voting in Connecticut, in which I'm not going to uh, make any sort of side commentary about how stupid it is that we have 500 different ballot types, because I'm really just trying to give people information. So we'll we'll sidestep some of that for maybe a future conversation. Denise Merrill, I'll let you get back to all those constituent emails that have been rolling into your email box. Thank you so much for taking some time and letting us know exactly what we need to know about voting this year. I appreciate it. My pleasure, John, as always. When Secretary Denise Merrill was talking about poll watchers, she didn't mean poll vigils of the kind that writer Colleen Shaddix and some other activists will be taking part in. In Shaddix's hometown of East Haddam, she's going to be keeping watch on Election Day outside the offices where town officials are counting ballots. She wrote about it for the Connecticut Mirror's Viewpoints section. Election night has always been about this waiting for the balloon to drop, right? rushing to declare a winner. 
So we're just trying to be a visible symbol to say, hey, we can't declare a winner until all the votes are counted. It's very unlikely that's going to happen on election night this year. We're having an election period, not an election day. Is there some part of you that wishes that we, we were in a place where, where we would know? You know, there's a part of me that wishes that because that's the way it's always been all my life. I remember as a child staying up late to watch election results. But there's a bigger part of me that wishes it was that way because of the certainty that comes with it. Um, this is a very high anxiety time for a whole lot of people. I, I just ground my tooth down to nothing and had to go to the dentist. And he said, oh, yeah, you're the fourth person this week. Um, you know, we'd like to know that things are going to go along smoothly, and they probably are, but we don't, we don't have the kind of assurance we used to. So what exactly are you going to be doing? Explain what this vigil looks like. So the vigil looks like a bunch of people standing outside voting areas with candles and flashlights and American flags and signs that say, count every vote and every vote counts. And I want to add that this is not because we think that there's any malfeasance going on in Connecticut. This is to change the conversation, provide a visual for people to to let them know that nothing ends at 8 p.m. on Tuesday. And it's support for the, the poll workers who are working hard on that day, poll workers who are sometimes somewhat unfairly maligned for mm-hmm. for their work. I, I It sounds to me, Colleen, like what you're doing is throwing some support behind some pr- pretty important work they're doing. Absolutely. Like, those are my friends and neighbors inside the building doing the count. And it's harder than ever. You know, it's traditionally poll workers have skewed older. I know a lot of people who do it every year who aren't doing it this year because of health concerns. So it's been, you know, we expect record turnout. The people who are there to do it are somewhat diminished in numbers. It's um, it's a great service that they're doing to all of us. A last thing for you. It, It strikes me that this is the first time I remember that an election has been so much about making sure that people vote and that their votes are counted as opposed to just trying to predict and then watching who wins. I mean, it's always been important to vote, but I don't know about you. It's just never felt more important. Do you feel the same way? I definitely feel that it's more important than ever. And I could go on and on about the whole sort of uh, the kind of national religion that says you should vote. That's what makes you a good citizen. And I think that one thing we've gotten a look at this time around that is not new is that there are barriers placed in the face of many Americans who would like to vote. Um, It has always been true that low-income people and people of color vote at lower rates, and that's not an accident. And I think we're finally shining a light on that, and that's great. We need to get as many people into the polls as possible. But then we need to make sure that our votes are fairly and accurately counted. And we've just, you know, we I'll just say it, we have a president who just kind of loves voter suppression. So... Um, the American people need to stand up and they need to say, no, we're watching and we demand that this 
be done properly and transparently. Colleen Shaddix's piece in the Connecticut Mirror's Viewpoint section is called Watching the Returns is No Longer Entertainment. Colleen, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. You too, John. Thanks. Read Colleen's piece in Viewpoints and all of our election coverage. Go to ctmirror.org. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast. You can find our pre-election special there where we talk about some of the big issues facing Connecticut and the country during this historic election. Our study beats are provided by George Mastrianis and Dave Swanson. They were recorded at Legend Studios in Avon, Connecticut. Special thanks to Bruce Putterman, Kyle Constable, Jessica Friedman, Beth Hamilton, and Paul Stern. I'm John Dankosky, and I probably don't have to tell you this, but go vote. And when you go to vote, wear a mask. I'll talk to you soon.